What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And we are coming at you after one of the most thrilling wins, and I emphasize wins here, of the season at Madison Square Garden, no less, Pat. Villanova ends up with a pretty dominating win over Syracuse on Tuesday night, 67 to 53. Yeah, such a strong stretch in the, in the second half to really close things out and pull away. Not, over, not only did they cover, they covered easily, which I don't think people would have expected after that first half, but it's been Villanova's mantra for years with Jay Wright, shoot them up sleep or sleep in the streets. And they did both in that game. <laughs> so just obviously the, the second half was much, much better, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. There is so much to go through. This is the most excited and focused I've been for a game in a long time. Mm. And the game didn't end until 12 o'clock on the nose. So there was a lot going on. The atmosphere was electric. The intensity was electric and it was so nice to have that type of competition back. Yeah, and for people for context, so of course the game ended a, a little after midnight. We're actually recording this at 7 a.m. Wednesday morning then, so yep. we're, we're still going and we're pumped uh, and energized from that win. As you said, just the environment to be back in Madison Square Garden to play against an old Big East foe. You know, Syracuse always shows out as they did again at the Garden with all their fans. It was so much fun and it, it felt like true college basketball again. And I think that warmed everyone's hearts after the past year plus that we've all had. Yep, and especially warmed people's hearts after they had to watch free basketball after one of the worst games of the season in the Texas Tech-Tennessee game that went into overtime and still neither team scored more than, what, 55 points, 57 points? That was awful. I There's not enough anything in this world, I think, to strike my memory of that game because that's all I want. It, 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 it was awful. It was oh, really so painful to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I will, before we get into it, I'm going to return to my question from Tuesday. Who is the home team? Oh, I love that. Um, it's, I think it would be Syracuse would be considered yeah. the home team there, but it, it's neutral site for everyone. So it, it doesn't really count. It was funny, just the runs different teams went on and how the crowd got into it. I agree. I think I give the nod to Syracuse, but that doesn't do mean too. that Nova fans didn't show up because they they certainly did. Um, I think the best way, and I really think the only way to go through this game, is to section it into the first half and the second half because it was basically like we were watching two different games. Pretty much. So do you want to start with the first half? Some takeaways for that. And then one of my biggest points is the second half, the second half adjustments that the team made. So we can transition into, into that after some of our initial points. Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll start. One of my, one of the biggest takeaways we're obviously going to talk about is rebounding and offensive rebounding specifically. I thought Syracuse had an inability to keep Villanova off of the offensive glass all game long. And you can see that in the numbers, but in the first half, it was Villanova getting in their faces, mm-hmm. but not able to secure the rebound. And over time, they just continued to wear Syracuse down. So my biggest takeaway was just the intensity that the team brought out from the start going after those loose balls. They were not outplayed for a second in this game. In fact, I think this is actually one of the hardest they've played all season long. I, I do like that point there because I definitely do think that they, they played super hard. You saw it early. They, they went after everything, which was great to see. And they needed to with how mm-hmm. shots went after that first, I don't know, five or six minute stretch in the first half where they were making. Uh, a point that I do want to go to that you brought up on Tuesday was about Syracuse, the defense and a modified zone, because that's exactly what it was. It was yeah. not a 2-3 zone at all, really. I mean, they, they went to it a couple times, but it looked like a 1-3-1 for a lot of the game and they did a really nice job at, at closing space at times. I actually think Villanova torched the zone, which we'll talk about, but those shots just didn't fall. Um, I, I'm with you that hustle plays obviously made a, a difference here. And of course on the boards, cause Villanova annihilated Syracuse on the boards, which is really, really impressive for a team that it's funny with the Villanova rebounding. I feel like every other game we say, wow, they struggled on the boards or they did great on the boards. Um, so there's not a ton of consistency there, but to pull down almost 60 rebounds and 27 offensive, mind you, which is just out of this world, those are really nice signs. 
Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was a really wild game to watch. And I, I feel like we hit all these points on Tuesday about how Syracuse this year isn't a particularly athletic team. No, they're so not. They might struggle that guard zone collapsing on Villanova's guards, which I actually think they did a very good job on. But on the flip side, or maybe as a result, they just couldn't collapse on the glass. They've never been a particularly good rebounding team, but they also out-rebounded Florida State over the weekend, mm-hmm. and then they get annihilated by Villanova the next week. So talk about inconsistency. I don't think Syracuse did a good enough job establishing their identity on the rebounding or really in any sort of physical category in this game. And conversely, Villanova did for for the full 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, we talk about or we're going to talk about kind of Villanova's adjustments that you see. Syracuse was that that one three. The three was definitely further out to the three-point line because they were trying to close Villanova out on those three-point shots, which, of course, they took many, many, as as we will discuss, 50, which is a school record for the Cats. Uh, But what it did is it left them a little vulnerable on the inside, and I think there wasn't anyone that put up a dominant rebounding performance from Villanova. Just as a team, they crashed the glass really well. And what I really believe was a difference in this game or might have been the difference Villanova got had 25 second chance points with all those rebounds. Syracuse had just seven. And, you know, when you look at the difference there, I think a big part of it was that Villanova was able to go back to the well. And while there seemed to be a lid on that well for a large portion of it, when you have that many opportunities, eventually some of them fall. Yeah. And those are really good points. Firstly, I'll, I'll talk about the second chance points. There were possessions where there were three or four second chances. Oh, certainly continued to get the offensive rebound, which you haven't seen this season. And then in terms of the lid, I completely agree with you. I thought Syracuse's zone did a really good job. They tried to immediately all but extinguish the three-point shot, and they did an excellent job of that for 20 minutes. Imagine how much more of a lead Villanova could have had if a quarter of those shots went in. I mean, they were on a stretch where I was genuinely wondering when the ball was going to go in. And for some of those players, it remained that way. Cough, cough, Brandon Slater, who we'll get into. Yes. But man, the I didn't even think they were particularly bad looks. It wasn't bad shot selection. The shots were just not going in. And finally, by the end of the first half and then well into the second half, they were able to switch things up a little bit, get some passes inside and just torch that Syracuse zone. But it looked pretty good in the first half because – They were getting in the face of Villanova shooters, causing them to miss nearly everything they took. Yeah, and I I love seeing how our minds work differently there, how how you were thinking about that. Well, I was thinking through the first half, wow, thank God Villanova's only down three after, you know, that big of a disaster. And it was because defensively, you know, they did a a very good job against Syracuse, especially, uh, you know, down the stretch there in the first half. I thought the switching was actually really good. I know our minds immediately go to Demir Cosby Roundtree on Joe Girard a couple times, but it, it's only because that really stood out as a mismatch. Otherwise, I thought defending, they, they did a really nice job. They brought help when they needed to. Um, it, it was really impressive. So they they still hold a held, excuse me, a Syracuse offense, which is, you know, Jay Wright talked about in his press conference, can be very, very explosive. Just 29 first half points, which is a really strong number. Yeah, we we talked in the preview about how Swider, Bayheims, Gerard, they are they are pretty much the end all be all for this Syracuse offense. And if you can eliminate one or two, you pretty much unlock the code. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what what Nova did. Swider only had five. Buddy Bayheim only had six. That was the much bigger storyline. Yes, it was. Jimmy Bayheim was absolutely incredible to he watch. Was. I had no idea he was that good. And, uh, and Joe Girard was really good in the first half before there was some, some adjustments on him in the second half too. But I feel the same way. We've talked a lot, a lot, a lot about how transition defense is the weakest part of this Villanova defense. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to counter with switching might be the worst part. And it can be at times. Yeah. And maybe it's the easiest thing to game plan against because what I go back to is, um, Johnny Juzang on Eric Dixon against yes. UCLA, where Juzang just, I, I, no, it was uh, Jaime Hawkes. Jaime Hawkes against Eric Dixon, he just drove against him every single time. And it seemed like towards the end, Nova was almost forfeiting that point because everybody on mm-hmm. the floor knew that Dixon couldn't keep up. And I guess if Juzang's going to get a two, that's better than letting, uh, excuse me, if 
Hawkes is going to get a two. That's better than somebody like Juzang hitting a three. And that happened a couple of times with Gerard too. So that definitely needs to be fixed. And it seemed lackadaisical at times, but again, I view that in such a better light now because the defensive intensity was so high in the second half. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take my one parting shot at Syracuse here. Maybe the coach's son should have passed the ball to Joseph Gerard a, a little more. Being you that, would think. Yeah, being that Gerard was four for seven and the Bayheims were uh, 13 for 34. Um, so uh, that's my that's my shot. I'll, I'll leave it at that for Syracuse. Um, well, I'll just, can I just add quick? Yeah. Their games are so different. I, I feel oh, like oh, Jimmy Bayheim was in the lane and yeah. Yeah, and there's no need to take it every single time. Mirror some Villanova action and drive and kick, and there wasn't anything of that. I would have been so frustrated. I, I was – it was very surprising, honestly, yeah. for, for what we saw there. And, yeah, you know, you you bring up what we discussed on Tuesday, and it was talking about how both Bayheims and Cole Swider have combined for 57% of the points for Syracuse this year. And what we saw was that Villanova held Buddy and Cole to – very little production and they, they really struggled. And I think Syracuse wasn't truly able to overcome that. And another point again, to your defense, which I agree with, and we'll go through here, you know, it definitely is a little bit of a weak, not a little bit. It is a weakness for Villanova to deal in transition, but Syracuse did not have an ability to exploit that because yes. they're not a very athletic team. They're slower. You know, it's more built around the perimeter. Syracuse had two fast break points two. Now Villanova had zero, <laughs> which is interesting to look at, but Syracuse only had two. So they weren't able to really capitalize on what Villanova struggles with. That's a really good point. The reason why we haven't talked about the weakness of the transition D is because we haven't seen it in a long stretch of games. Now we're going to see it on Sunday. Yep, but... exactly. We will be rudely awakened on Sunday, but that is a, a very good point to, to bring up. Syracuse isn't athletic enough to push the pace. And I didn't think you saw that aside from the first five minutes of this game where I felt like I'd run a marathon afterwards. Cause it was so pretty fast. much. Pretty, and then from different. there, that was when Villanova just stopped making shots, but those opening minutes were insanity. Yeah. It, 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 and especially you put that just in stark contrast to the rock fight that we watched, uh, you know, just what, 30 minutes before that yeah. in that Tennessee, Texas tech game. And the, it was definitely uh, striking the first couple minutes to see the ball going in the basket. Of course, then the rims went back to the Tennessee, Texas tech yep. for a while for both teams, but <laughs> things changed in the second half. Nine and a half minutes without a field goal. That's yeah. how long Tennessee went. Just we're obviously not going to talk about that, but oh my God, when that happened. Um, I have another point that I wanted to talk about. So Dixon dealt with some foul trouble. There are actually mm-hmm. a couple points of foul trouble throughout the game that we can talk about further, but Dixon specifically, he went out with two fouls at the 915 mark. And this led to really a a tinkering with the lineup and mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll just ask you straight up. And then I guess we can talk about it. Do you think Villanova was better when they went small? Hmm. That's going to be an interesting question to, to view. Cause it's something that I really like when Villanova goes small. I think Eric Dixon does a lot of things well that we've seen so far. Um, and Caleb's playing better. I, I know we had a couple turnovers, yeah, but especially rebounding wise, he is, turned himself into such a strong rebounding guard I like playing small uh, especially I think you can still give Eric Dixon you know say 26 27 minutes a game somewhere in there but I have no issue going stretches where they do play small yeah and it, it obviously will be dependent on the team it's all matchup you didn't really based. have yeah, to exactly. you didn't have to worry about matchups because even at times Justin Moore could hold his own against Jesse Edwards which I thought was incredible mm. with Caleb playing the way he is I don't think it's too much of a downgrade like the risk of being too small isn't outweighed by how much better the ball moves when Caleb Daniels is in that's that's the the takeaway I came to and I wrote down some times when they went small because I was hoping that the score differences of the plus minus would be really crazy it wasn't but there was a stretch when Dixon was on the bench that the five of Gillespie Moore Samuels Slater Daniels did really, really well, both offensively and defensively Mm -hmm. on the flip side, though, one of my biggest second half adjustments in my mind was stay small. That is the way to do it. You're keeping up on defense and then you're able to get an extra three point shooter in Daniels who, who shot well on Tuesday night. And also 
that five and out, which they utilized in the first half, it just works better when you have that fifth shooter. But then to start the second half with Dixon, Villanova came out to a 9-2 run. They looked rejuvenated. They were able to get inside. So that's just as much props to Jay Wright as it is to Eric Dixon, realizing how important it was to penetrate the zone and therefore Mm -hmm. the paint. But I just thought it was interesting to watch how good they were with both. I guess that's the main thing. They yeah. were really good when they went small, and then Dixon got much better as the game went on. I, I guess that that's exactly where I was going to go. Uh, I, I'm usually a supporter of small ball with it, and I think Villanova is able to get away with it a little more too because they do have really good rebounding guards. I mean, Gillespie yeah. Moore and Daniels especially, and Archdiakono can rebound as well. They're all solid rebounders, so they don't give up a ton that point because yes, they don't have the true big men to go inside, but their guards can out rebound most guards, which I do think is a nice little advantage there. And then for Dixon, I didn't think we saw too much from him in the first half. Though in the second half, I do think he kind of grew into the game. I was a little happier with the movement that we saw there. Dixon tap outs are starting to become more and more uh, consistent, which is great to see again going to that second chance point. So I I think it all bleeds into each other. Um, But listen, versatility is huge. And if they're able to change things kind of by matchup and play small when they can, like they could have against Syracuse, um, while then utilizing some of the bigger guys with Dixon and maybe Tamir Cosby Roundtree continues to grow. He's the first man off the bench oh on Tuesday night, which I think was a surprise to us both. Um, we'll see how that continues to evolve kind of throughout Big East play as we move into that. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. You might as well get the most out of the flexibility, the, the, the little amount of flexibility that you have. Yeah. I think we have to talk about Dada. I was, my jaw was on the floor when he came off the bench first. And this is me. You and I feel differently. I was hoping slash expecting that he would play meaningful minutes this season, but Mm. for him to come off the bench first against Syracuse, a team that isn't necessarily pounding the boards or super uh, tall or physically gifted. I could not believe it. I thought he played well at the beginning. And then of course he didn't get any minutes in the second half, but what was that about? I think that was Jay just trying to exploit some length and, and see what happened if he changed things up. Because remember, too, at that point, nothing was falling yeah. on offense. So I do think he was trying to find a little bit more rhythm maybe to go inside at all. Because if we talk about game plan wise, I was dead wrong on Tuesday where I said, you're going to see a ton of drive and kick from Villanova. We didn't see any drive and kick on Tuesday night. And it's because Syracuse didn't allow for any sort of penetration. It was all around the three-point line. But you know what? I thought it was really good with the passing that we did see. I, I think that's kind of where he went with Demir. He was just trying to change things up, and that's why he was the first one off the bench. Um, but, you know, of course, giving them size underneath too, because at that point he hadn't gone small yet. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he played six minutes. He had six rebounds and three points. Mm-hmm. He, got to the li- he, he got to the line twice. He had four free throws. That's a pretty good stat line. That's it's pretty much exactly what you need him for. And just going keep back him off the perimeter on defense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was definitely a mismatch that was exploited. I forgot about that. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So we will talk about the rotation in general, but for the people that really are worried about fatigue, those are six minutes that the starters didn't have to play. And that's what I was thinking about during the game too. Yeah. I, I don't want to go like crazy into the, the rotation and the minute distribution, just because we've talked about it so much uh, lately, but Listen, all of the starters played a lot of minutes. Gillespie yep. played 38 minutes. Slater was 38 minutes. Samuels was 37 minutes. Moore was 36 minutes. So it, it's difficult to do that consistently, as we've discussed. It's more doable when now you have a couple days off before mm-hmm. you play Baylor on Sunday. And it's more doable when you're against a team that just doesn't have the ability to really exploit that fatigue like Syracuse because Syracuse doesn't play their bench at all as we discussed yeah. on Tuesday and Jim Beheim had the phenomenal quote that our own Eugene Repay got uh after the game about no one asking Villanova about playing their bench well I'm not sure that's true Jim if you've listened to our podcast and have read anything about Villanova this come season, on Jim <laughs> how dare you um but it, it certainly is something we can look at yeah those are all really good points I have a question to ask you at the end that will uh we can end on. So I won't give any more thoughts about the the rotation, but I I do agree with you. 38 minutes is a lot for Colin and you are completely right about not seeing any drive and kicks. In fact, Villanova put up 50 
three-point attempts, and they shattered the school program shattered. record shattered. for three-point shots attempted with 10 minutes left. Ah, that's where I was going to go. They broke so it with 10 minutes. <laughs> if that gives you any sort of in- inclination of what this team was. And, I mean, honestly, it's not like Villanova had too much to be tired over in the first half because they weren't doing anything on offense besides shooting the ball around and t- besides passing the ball around and shoot it. So that's a nice way to store up your energy, too. Yeah, that helps. Um, and and kind of touched on it before. I actually think Villanova really cut through the zone nicely. There were mm-hmm. so many open looks like the passing was really, really good. And especially, as I said, they did it all throughout the perimeter. It really wasn't a lot of, you know, collapse the zone into one corner, kick out to the other side. We didn't see too much of that. It was more of just Villanova's sideways passing was really quick. I think it was really calculated. They're able to find those looks. Nothing seemingly fell in the first half, but it, it Colin Gillespie came out and drilled a three in the first minute to start the second half. And things seemingly changed pretty quickly after that, uh, where they shot 40% as a team in the second half compared to just 24% in the first. Yeah. It's almost like all the the football games that have been happening specifically on Monday night, the Patriots ran it every single time and the bills couldn't stop them Mm -hmm. anytime. Villanova shot it every single time in the first half. And Syracuse got lucky because I didn't think any of them were particularly contested and they still didn't fall, but in the second half, and we, we can kind of transition there fully at this point, like we've been doing anyway, they passed it inside to the free throw line, almost every single possession. And then either Samuels was able to put up a really nice mid range jumper, or they were able to get a screen and Colin was able to shoot a fadeaway and Syracuse couldn't do anything about it and all it takes is for the ball to go through the hoop a few times for Villanova you could see a measurable difference in their confidence in their passion in the crowd noise as soon as Colin hit that three in the second half I felt it at home how that changed and the zone just couldn't do anything even when they went back to the two three even when they tried to mix it up with the one three one or whatever it was they were able to to hit that middle to hit that elbow And the mid-range game was so good in the second half. It was, and I was really impressed. And I think your main drivers for that really were just Moore and Colin Gillespie. I mean, both of them offensively, especially in that second half, I thought were really, really good. And again, what this proves is that when we had discussed it before, this is now Villanova's lowest scoring output of the season at just 67. But even with, you know, Jermaine Samuels going five for 16, from the field, even with Brandon Slater having his worst game of the year, going two for 15 and not hitting a single shot from deep. They find a way to win with more Gillespie and Caleb Daniels gave you 11 off the bench. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that way. I'm debating if this was an ugly win and I don't know if I would go that far. Mm-hmm. Would you? I don't know if I'd call it an ugly win just with how things progressed kind of in that second half, but I would say it's a different win (laughs) to what we've seen so far this season. And that's something, again, we've discussed this year where the wins, you know, a lot of it, they haven't had to work crazy hard for for some of those wins that we've seen this year. Uh, Even, you know, Tennessee, their best opponent that they've beaten other than Syracuse now, they controlled that game from the start. They did have to face a little adversity here, and I like that. And I think that builds on, honestly, I think it's great to face a little bit of adversity before you take the trip to Texas on Sunday. That was the exact, that was exactly the point you made on Tuesday. Nice. Yeah. You this, try they, to put it in, right? They had to try much harder in this game, and I think it worked for them. And again, I just can't give enough credit to Jay Wright to what he did in the second half to try and get things going in the paint because again, all it takes is to get a couple baskets to drive, to realize that you can drive. And then miraculously that three starts to fall. But what they were doing in that first half was not working. And to give credit where credit's due, they, they changed it around. They also brought the intensity on the the glass and that changed everything as well, because just again, to emphasize the difference on the boards, 57 to 36. And on the offensive end, it was 27 to 11. You do not see that every day. No, it's a huge, huge margin. Um, And then that's really what helped propel them. Yeah. I had a point about turnovers. Cool. And this was something we talked about on Tuesday when Pat introduced the what have we learned segment from the Big Five play, which again, isn't completely done. We still have Temple coming up in the next few weeks. We wondered if turnovers, the Increased number of turnovers that we saw last week in uh, in those three big five games, if that would translate to this this type of competition. 
And unfortunately it did. And it was much better in the second half, but I was concerned by the sloppy passes in the first half. And I actually think if Colin and Justin Moore hadn't locked it down the way they did that, the top, the two of the Syracuse zone was pretty stifling the way the Cuse guards collapsed mm-hmm. almost by the logo. That's how far this zone was pressed up to try and limit the amount of three point attempts that Villanova would take, which obviously did nothing because they put up 50, which is an ungodly number. It was tough. It's, it's tough in general to ruffle the, feather, the feathers of somebody like Colin Gillespie. I thought he did a really good job, even when he was doubled as opposed to, Dixon, who looked a little nervous when he was doubled, especially in the corner. But what did you think about the sloppy passes? Because I think in a game where Syracuse could have really gained momentum in the first half when Villanova wasn't making those shots, those turnovers could have made it a lot worse. Interesting. I really was not that concerned with the really? turnover yesterday. And, and why is because it is so different in what they're facing in a zone and, and a, a modified zone at that with kind of a, a one, three, one. So I do expect there to be a little bit more turnovers and the fact that they only finished with 10, which is still, yeah, above season average, but they had 13 and 14 against much inferior competition mm. against the big five. I'm a lot more concerned about that than I am about 10 against, you know, a completely different game plan against, you know, NACC team. So I really wasn't all that concerned with it. I, I I get your point with it, but overall, I was really happy with the ball movement. That's a good point. And actually, I like the positivity. There were eight in the first half. There were two in the second half. They locked it down in the second half. They really did. They did a much better job. So that is a much better way to end things on that note as well. Yes. No, it, it is. And that's two two turnovers. I mean, that can be the difference so often with how yeah. important it is. Uh, to and it it definitely did because we see all the field goal attempts that Villanova had seventy seven attempts in this game and, and it helps when you you limit turnovers and Syracuse had eleven so it wasn't you know terrible from them either. No, no, I feel the same way. And can we just talk about how bad the shooting actually was? Because when I looked at this box score, I was surprised by how low the scoring type scoring totals were for Villanova. I didn't expect to see a 20 for Colin Gillespie, but he only had 14 points. Justin Moore had 18. That was a team high. Mm -hmm. Slater had four. Samuels had 13. Nobody really lit up the box score for Syracuse besides Jimmy Bayheim, who had 21 points. But when you look at his actual numbers, they were pretty atrocious. 10 for 19. Man, 26% from three. And Villanova found a new way to win. And I tweeted this after the game. Something I think that is really special about this team and it sometimes get gets shrouded in the negativity of not having a big enough bench or turning the ball over too many times in the first half or not making it shots. They come up with a new way to win and they also show a new strength in every single game. Against Tennessee, it was their ability to go after the 50-50 balls. In some of these big five games, it was Colin Gillespie showing up. In this game, it was their ability to hit the glass against a bigger team than them. So even when the shooting isn't perfect, and it was nowhere near perfect in this game, they found a different way to win, like we talked about earlier. But you also come away with this newfound ability to rebound, which is something nobody saw coming, especially against the Syracuse zone. No, and honestly, the biggest surprise, if you just look straight at the box score for me, is actually that Jermaine finished with 13, just yeah. thinking about the, the how much he struggled. He, he made his first three of the game, and then I believe he missed his next eight or nine. Um, it was tough. But yeah. still finished with 13. As we said, that they, they're they able to find – and it's the importance of having guys and Brandon Slater's how he's developed. I know this wasn't his game, but it shows you, as we talked about, that Justin, Colin, you know, Jermaine can can step up and step in and really take over that production. And and that's what they did. Caleb. I don't think they win this game. If Caleb doesn't have that good of a game, Caleb was really solid. Uh, I we've discussed it and we've kind of said it in a hushed tone because it's all, it's a small sample size. It's against a little lower competition, but Caleb has progressively been getting better. He did it again on Tuesday night and he did it against a much bigger opponent. So I, I think you do have to be really happy with what we've seen from him. I'm so hesitant to say it. I'm so hesitant, but he's back. He's back. Yeah, he's at, back. At, he's as of Caleb, as of right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I we, know. we know things can change with him. I, I, obviously, he he can be such an important key to this team. We saw, as you said, the pre-COVID Caleb, but um, it's been so much better. 
And you are an exceptionally nice person, Pat. And you are being very, very positive in this episode, which I love. Trying to. You just said Brandon Slater. You just said it wasn't his game. Oh, it was awful. I think it might have been a little bit more than that. But I will give you a chance first to tell people why they shouldn't jump off the Brandon Slater train. Oh, absolutely. So, yes, this game was rough, uh, especially, you know, offensively. He was 0 for 9 from deep and 2 for 15. Nothing fell for him. And the stroke didn't look particularly good either. It was he usually shoots with a little bit of a lower trajectory anyway. It felt like very much line drives coming out. He did have an air ball three at some point. He just wasn't on offensively. Defensively, I still think he got the Brandon Slater. That makes him one of the yes. better defenders. Good you know, point. Villanova's best defender and one of the better defenders in all the Big East. Thought he did a really good job on any assignment that he drew here, uh, especially with Jimmy Bayheim. You know, they actually did move him around buddy, a little buddy bit. Bayheim. Yes, buddy. Excuse me. They did move him around a little bit, um, which I was happy to see because I continue to want to see them kind of exploit that versatility and really take advantage of that. But I'd say from all the other games we've seen him offensively this year, we had put up double digits in every single game leading into this one. I'm not all that concerned with him finally having an off night. I feel the same way. And I actually think people are probably high-fiving him after this game because of how well he played on defense, Yeah, which is, which is pretty remarkable. We got a specific question on Tuesday about who would guard Cole in this game. And that was actually Colin, which was pretty funny to watch. I didn't think Cole was much of a factor at all in this game. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you went there because I say we we have to go there before yeah. we move on to Baylor. We have to spotlight Swider, of course. Yeah, we, we can go do that in a second. I just wanted to talk about specifically Slater on defense. And honestly, I thought Moore played really well on defense too. And Caleb had some good moments. Buddy Beheim was three for 15. He was scoreless from the three-point range, six points. And that was Slater's primary assignment in the first half. And then on the second half, his primary assignment was Joe Girard, who was nasty in the first half mm-hmm. and who was not a factor at all in the second half. Brandon Slater changes games on defense. Yeah, not a coincidence. And for Buddy Beheim, I believe he's averaging 19 points a game yeah. heading, heading into here. And, and they completely neutralized him uh, at Madison Square Garden. So, it, again, it, it shows some growth that Villanova is able to take out a top scorer and really, you know, make Syracuse try and adjust and, and find some points elsewhere. And they weren't able to for portions of this game. Yeah. Before we get into Cole, what do you think about the chemistry between the Beheim brothers, if it exists at all? I would hope it's good being that they know each other pretty well. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. It's, it's odd. It it does feel strange. I'll I'll put it that way, but you know, good for the Beheim family. Yeah. It was nice. I mean, they showed the mother about 17 times. Maybe more. That was good for for us. It was very strange, but cool. (laughs) Um, I was expecting to see a little bit more pizzazz from them. Obviously, Buddy was completely neutralized for pretty much the entire game, like we just mentioned. But there wasn't any sort of magic between the Bayheim brothers. I I was I was kind of expecting that. I haven't sat down and watched too much of Syracuse before that. I wish we could have seen a really good buddy because that's what everybody saw in the tournament last year. And that's literally the the sole reason why they made it as far as they did. But I was surprised by the lack of chemistry that I saw at least on the court in terms of making shots between the Bayheim specifically. I, I did think Jimmy was good for, yeah, for he, large Jimmy portions was, of this game. Was he was able to yeah. get in the lane and, and cause some trouble for Nova. But uh, as you said, buddy, they just couldn't get into any sort of rhythm at all. And, and Syracuse struggled to, to kind of overcome that. Yeah. So, so Cole, <laughs> he finished with 39 minutes, which jumps out at me first two for seven from the floor. He only put up three threes. He only made one of them. He did have 12 rebounds, which was actually pretty, pretty insane and five mm-hmm. points. What were your, what were your thoughts there? It, I wasn't super impressed. It's, you know, I, I, I'm not here to, to kill anyone, um, but I, I, he, he hit the first three of the game, which was just perfect. It's like, yep, that, that needed to happen. That's great. I laughed out loud. I, yep. I did too. Uh, it's just, he scored two points after that. Um, he, he wasn't really in the game. I, I don't think he was really active in their zone. Um, I know he had a couple blocks and of course he had a ton of rebounds, but uh, I, honestly, I, I don't think he made much of an impact at all. There were times when I had to remind myself that this was him and he was on the court. I, yeah. It was one of those. He just really wasn't an entity. I was wrong. I was hoping this would be the Cole Spotter revenge game. And it was not because he just wasn't enough of a factor. And it goes back to Syracuse. Their offense just struggled beyond Jimmy Beheim, And that's a huge testament to Villanova's defense, but 
if you're Cole Swatter, you've got to put up more threes. If you're Buddy Baham, you've got to try and get to the basket to try and see the ball go through the hoop. If you're Joe Girard, you've got to try and exploit those mismatches. And they couldn't do any of that in the second half. Yeah, they're very, we talked about how Villanova was able to find other options when guys have had off nights. Buddy Bayheim had an off night, and there was no production really elsewhere to make up for that. And, and yep. Swider, as you said, only three threes attempted. I have to imagine a part of its confidence at this point because he's shooting 28%, which is abysmal from deep, especially for a guy that's supposed to be have the, all that range. Um, I, listen, he had really good games recently. You wish him all the best, and, and you you know it's it's a much better fit at Syracuse, but I just I don't think he impacted this game. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. The 28% is abysmal. It's awful. For a guy that was recruited for his shot, it's yeah. really bad that he's shooting worse than 30%. And mm-hmm. it's such a remarkable change from what we saw at Villanova. I do think – I really was hoping to see – the rejuvenated close water who loves the Syracuse system and does so much better. And I think you see glimpses of that with the minute uptake and with the rebounding. But again, when buddy Bayheim has an off night, it's tough to do anything about it. And that's why Syracuse had 53 points. Yeah. And listen, Cole got what he wanted. He's playing, as you say, he's played 39 yeah, minutes against Madison, uh, against Madison square garden. That would be interesting uh, against Villanova at Madison square garden, which is of course nowhere near the amount of minutes that he averaged. He's a much better fit defensively in that zone. You know, he does have the ability to put up a lot more field goal attempts. So he he's getting the playing time that he wanted there. Um, It's just obviously a a little different than how it was at Nova. Yep. I feel the same way. Do we have anything else on this game? No, I think that was it. Okay. Then I have one final thought and then question that I will pose to you. Yeah. I know it is different because as you mentioned, the cats have three or four days before they have to travel to, Waco to play Baylor. So this would mm-hmm. obviously put be put in a much more scrutinized light if they had to play tomorrow or today as we're recording this. Why wasn't fatigue a factor in this game? Uh, because Syracuse doesn't play anyone either. That it's it's a lot easier to uh to be able to use five guys when you're going up against five guys. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that, and it's just and quite simply, Syracuse is can't shine the shoes of UCLA or Purdue. So Mm. it's just, it's not the same. That's why. Okay. Interesting. And honestly, it is kind of fair that Jim Beheim got asked that question about the rotation because their leading bench minutes person was Anselm who had nine minutes. Imagine how much worse that would be if we didn't even have a Caleb. They only have (laughs) nine minutes from their sixth man. That is And zero points from the entire bench. Yeah, that is at at least Caleb, you know, brings scoring when he comes in, even if it's not for as many minutes as, you know, or distribution minutes across the bench, you know, Caleb can bring you some points. Um, Yeah, and Arch can bring you assists. Arch can bring ball handling. They had two field goal attempts across Mm -hmm. their three man bench. That is, I don't remember ever seeing anything like that. That's crazy. Yes. Uh, I apologize for my aggression against Syracuse in this episode, but uh, as, no. you, as you can tell, they're not my favorite school. No, it was a big win. I was very, very happy after this win. It wasn't anything remarkable. I know if you were watching as a, a national fan, you might not have thought the Villanova played as well as you would have expected, but I think they needed to win hard. Like you said, I absolutely love that point that you brought up on Tuesday and they did and they found new ways to win, and they found another strength that they could add to their toolbox, which is pounding the offensive mm-hmm. glass, and I think that's a big deal. Yeah, Biggie's rivalries never die. So oh, still, yeah. still in my blood to have the, the dislike for, for Syracuse a little bit, and that's what it goes through. But yeah, no, I, I think it's a lot of positives from this. They had to fight back. They faced adversity. They found a way to win. They destroyed them on the glass, second half point, second chance points. I, I don't know how you don't leave the garden thrilled with that. Yeah, very, very happy, even though mm-hmm. it's midnight. I feel the exact same way. Yeah, exactly. Exact same way. So we talk about thrilling, talk about fun, talk about games at the Garden and the intensity that Nova brought. Now what they have to do is travel to Waco, Texas, to play the second-ranked team in the country and to add the cherry on top, the team that beat them in the tournament last year, the Baylor Bears. It's kind of interesting now. What is this? The third straight year that these programs are going to face each other, right? Oh my God, that's wasn't right. It, wasn't it the Myrtle Beach Invitation or, or something like that um, in 2019, of course, or excuse, yeah, no, 2019. 
Um, then of course we had the uh, sweet 16 game and now this, so a little bit of a rivalry here now, or yeah. a little more familiarity, I should say with these two programs. That's a really good point. I didn't think that you obviously, the, was that the COVID year or was that before? It, it was the COVID year, but it was before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what was it like November of that? Yeah, uh, of that makes sense. That rings a bell. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's obviously a new look Baylor team. Yes. But the way that the bears have been playing the way that the reigning national champions have been playing, it also upheld Villanova's streak of basically either making, making it to the tournament and either winning the entire thing or losing to the eventual national champion, which is not a bad place to be in, Nope. but they've still got so many scoring threats. They're still so physical and we can get into some of our specific points, but this is, I think this is going to be a needle mover game for Villanova. Oh, wow. I, I love that sort of, uh, uh, <laughs> that sort of comparison there. Yeah. This, this Baylor team is really, really good. And, and I'll say, honestly, they're better than I thought they were going to be mm. because they had to deal with a lot of losses, uh, heading into the season. They lost Jared Butler. They lost T they lost Davion Mitchell. They lost Mike, Mark vital. Those are big, big parts of what and quite literally big people. Yeah. Literally <laughs> like massive human beings. Um, that they lost from a national championship team, a team that was a, a giant slayer as well. Remember, they beat Gonzaga, which I firmly believed was going to be your national champion. And, you know, they've done it partially through development and they've done it partially through reloading, which I think only goes into how impressive um, this Baylor roster really is. LJ Cryer has become so good and so strong for him. This is a guy that was, you know, a, a bench player for them. Didn't play too much. I think it was around 10 minutes a game last year. Averaged three points a game last year. Is up to over 15 for Baylor right now. So that shows you the development. They have with the 10th ranked uh, freshman overall in 2021 came in in Kendall Brown. He's playing a lot at guard. That's not even talking about um, Chemna Chechua as well as Matt Meyer. Or um, I always mess up that name. Is it Meyer or Mayer? I think it's Meyer. It is Meyer. I see yeah. it. This is the, the 7 a.m. I know it. Right well, it's now. spelled like, like John Mayer, too. Yes, so it, it's hard. And the amount of times I've watched that man play basketball and I still mess up the name every time. You can just call him Mullet Man. It's fine. I, Everyone I like, will know. I like that, honestly. You know, with the progression there, it this is a really good basketball team. <laughs> yeah. Um, the talk about the program at Villanova is talked about ad nauseum. And I think, yes. obviously, for very good reason because of how well. Jay Wright develops his guys and the jumps you see and Brandon Slater coming off the bench, blah, blah, blah. It's talked about so much at this point. People don't talk about Baylor in that same Scott light. Scott Drew. And I think they should. I Scott genuinely Drew. believe Scott Drew is one of the best pl- coaches in the country, one of the he best is. players in the country. He has some of the best players in the country, yeah, but he, he himself is one of the best coaches. I am still, the jury's still out for me on the ceiling of this Baylor team because they're ranked second overall. I think that's fair. I actually think it's a little generous. I think they're maybe a top five, top six team, but they haven't really played anybody yet. Yes. They beat MSU. It was a dominating win, but Michigan state, I don't think is going to be a really dominating team. They also beat Arizona state, which is becoming a lesser and lesser win as the days go on. Yeah, they're really what good. I what I think their biggest strength is is how well how, how well balanced they are on both sides of the ball, and they have that experience because similar to Villanova, even though they lost so many integral parts of their team, they have guys who were in the system last year who were able to step up. The Myers, the Criers, the Chumachachuas, the Flothambas, etc. They're the sixth ranked offense and the seventh mm-hmm. ranked defense according mm-hmm. to Ken Baum. I don't know if any team has a smaller discrepancy between numbers than Baylor has. No, the, the balance that you go to is, is definitely what, what I wanted to look at. And you're right in terms of, of opponent. They've played a lot of mid-tier teams. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Your Stanford's, your Arizona State's, your VCU's, where they're not terrible, but they're also not definitely not upper echelon. You know, Villanova, at least we've seen them now battle with UCLA and Purdue. We saw them go against a, you know, a decent team in Syracuse and, and of course, Tennessee. <laughs> Try and take the game from last night out of your minds, though. I know none of us really They've got be the able number to. one defense now. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's just, insane. I know. It's, it's just, oh, those <laughs> Tennessee, Villanova, whenever they're in the same building, apparently things go horribly wrong yeah. for the volunteers. Um <laughs> So, yes, I, I do agree that it can be a little difficult to fully analyze them in that way. I do think this team is super talented. I, I think the athleticism is what really stands out and it makes you nervous 
going into this game, knowing that they do have the ability to push. Now, listen, they're not, they're not going at it just up and down the floor. This isn't Creighton with Greg McDermott a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, they absolutely do move faster than Villanova. They do have some length, which will be interesting. I'm not sure you see Villanova play small unless Jay really thinks that that's going to cause some sort of scoring difference with them because Baylor's going to have the opportunity to exploit that down low. It's an interesting matchup. And, and what it is, is this is Villanova's last chance to get a real marquee non-conference win. Listen, they're fine come March now with wins over Tennessee and Syracuse. That'll look perfectly fine on a resume when we get there. But if they can go to Baylor and win that game, that that's how you try and solidify yourself as a possible one seed. Yeah, and it's how you compete against Gonzaga and Duke and and all stay all away the other from teams. Purdue. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> all those other teams in the top five because it's it's a crowded bunch right now. Yes, that being is. said, I also don't think a loss would have the world tumbling down because Baylor is as good as they are. You literally hit every single every single thing I wanted to say. All, all the points you made were so good. I'll just make it very very clear. They are one of the most physical teams with Chuma Chachua and Flo Thamba down low. Love watching Chachua play. Thamba was so good in the Sweet 16 game last year, too. Mark Vidal was their bonafide big man, but Thamba had some serious minutes and he played Mm -hmm. really well. I am very scared of him. So your point about playing big, you have to have somebody match up. But that being said, their guards are so quick and that actually might scare me more than how big their guys their guys are. Talk about familiarity. We're going to see James Akinjo again. And I don't think anybody yes. should be very happy about that. He Thank is so you. quick. Plus, you've got Matthew Meyer who stretches the floor. He's a six-nine guard. Nobody, nobody really does it who like shoots him. It he's well. one of, yeah, yeah, he's one of the best players in the country. I, I really do think that. So they, like we said, they're so balanced. They have so many strength. It's going to be really interesting to see whether. Villanova tries to lock down on defense and try and prevent Baylor from scoring by going big. Or if Jay Wright bites the bullet, goes small because he knows how quickly Baylor guards can push it. And he doesn't want to get beat on the defensive end. I can honestly see it going Mm. either way. So Akinjo is a player I'm watching and why I'm watching him, because there is a little familiarity there, is that he dribbles the ball a lot and Mm. he turns the ball over as well. I w- wonder if Villanova is going to try and trap him a couple times with, with different looks and see if they can force him into turnovers. And maybe they do look to run in transition just a little bit off of those turnovers, at least. Otherwise, I think Villanova is going to really try and slow this game down to take the air out of Baylor. Uh, another thing to look at for Baylor, you know, in, in trying to assess them, they have not played a true road game this year yet. So it, again, you know, it kind of goes to your point of how to <laughs> fully look at this team. Um, I'm pumped for this game. I think this is awesome. I'm really excited to see Villanova test themselves against yet again towards the, you know, the elite teams in college basketball. So 3 PM on a Sunday, it's national TV. It's ABC. Let's do it. Yeah. When was the last time Villanova played on ABC? I know. That's awesome. It's, I'm, I'm so excited. It's pretty cool. So it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, it, it's a tough matchup. Don't get me wrong. This Baylor team is very, very good. But there are some places I think Nova can look to exploit. Oh, definitely. I think it is going to be whichever team controls the pace. And mm-hmm. Villanova does a really good job of doing that. But if they get out to a slow shooting start, it's going to be tough to keep up. And, and that's what scares me, too. Just one more point about Baylor. You're right about their tempo. They don't have a particularly high tempo number, but I think this game is going to go by really quick because there's going to be a lot of shots put up. Nine players on Baylor play more or average more than 10 minutes a game. Eight average more than 18 minutes. So already they have a very, very fresh bunch on the bench. Plus they haven't played since December 4th. Yeah, good point. So they have had a full week to prepare for Villanova at home. It's going to be tough to go up against that, especially because Villanova already has a rotation issue and they've played a really high tempo, high stress game this week. Of course, that isn't an excuse, but it's something to watch. Some would say they've actually had two weeks to prepare being that they played Arkansas. Pine yeah, that's what I mean. On, yeah. on that fast Come Saturday. On. Come on. Yeah, I feel the same way. It, it is going to be such 
a fun game. They have so I'm so excited to see Kendall Brown. I'm so excited to see Akinjo. I'm so excited to see Meyer. I'm so excited to see their big guys. Scott Drew. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be phenomenal. All right. We should give our score predictions though. Big time matchup. Um, Listen, I've been positive all episode. Stick with it. I'm, you know, I'm feeling good coming off that Syracuse win, even as we record this now at, at 8 a.m. Villanova's going to pull the upset on Sunday. Love it. They, they are going to go to Baylor and they are going to find a way to win. Wow. You got a score? No. You don't. You're just not going <laughs> to give a score. No. <laughs> I'll give you a win. I think that's as far as I can go. All right. I think people will be happy with that. Ugh, now you're kind of exposing me. I think, like I said, if Villanova wins this game, it will be a needle mover. And I'm going to go as far as to say this makes as much of a difference as a Duke win over Gonzaga. A Villanova win over Baylor would be gigantic. I'm just not sure they can do it with how deep Baylor is. I understand. With how good their stars are. I desperately want them to. I think it's going to be within five points. And I think it's going to be in the 70 range, not necessarily an offensive onslaught, but also not a rock fight. I think Baylor comes out. They have the home court advantage. But man, if Villanova wins, this is season changing. It would be a happy podcast on Tuesday if oh, Villanova yeah. finds a way oh, yeah. to uh, to come out with this one. It, it's a brutal matchup. It really is. But I mean, this is why we watch to be able yep. to see them go up against these marquee teams. And then we get to move into Big East play. So it, it's an awesome part of the schedule. Syracuse down and uh, off to Texas. Yeah, I don't know if anybody watched Collins' post-game I did. Uh, interview with Holly Rowe on Tuesday night. Holly asked him about the non-conference schedule, and I actually think Colin gave a really good answer. He did. He said it prepares you for March. Yeah, and I think that's great. And again, this is what we want when we see a tough non-conference schedule like this. This is where you get the wins that really matter, that look good for March, and talk about the, the preparation playing Baylor in December will do for this team it's huge it's huge yeah. for everybody yeah it certainly is yeah I'm so excited here we go people this is it here we go uh we're almost at big east and so we can take a look at them right now and see what yep. else is left for this week so as we said we're recording this on wednesday morning so we don't have a ton of, of new games to kind of talk about that have happened though butler did find a way to go to oklahoma and win which is a very good win for the conference um you know some some fun games kind of to watch through the end of the week here at of course, you'll know the score by the time this comes out, but UConn goes to West Virginia on Wednesday night. Thursday night is the one I'm most looking forward to with Texas and Seton Hall, mm. which is just going to be a, a really fun one, especially with how Seton Hall has looked much better. And then on Saturday, some really good games as well. BYU goes to Creighton, Syracuse, Georgetown. So there's our friend Syracuse again playing in that big rivalry game. Your friend. <laughs> Old Your kid. friend, Syracuse. I, I see. I'm trying to be nice. Okay. <laughs> um, UCLA Marquette. And then this is the one on Saturday that I'm pumped for. St. Bonaventure takes on UConn, which Ooh. in Newark, oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be People love good. the Bonnies. I People love the Bonnies. People love the Bonnies. UCLA is playing Marquette? They are. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. In Milwaukee. What a game. That's yeah, awesome. So we got some good games this week. Good for them. Yeah. I. I am so excited. The, the Big 12 Big Big East is so awesome. Just a little bit on Butler, Oklahoma. I watched the first half. It seems like Butler can throw a different starting five and a different bench out there every night, and they have just as big of a chance to win or just as good of a chance to win. They are an odd team, to say the least. I don't know. I think the jury's still out on how good Oklahoma really is. But what a win for Butler. Chuck Harris is a menace. He is a shooter, man. Talk about shooting in the streets. It, that is, That was a really big performance from him. Yeah, it, it certainly was. We talk about it every time. The question for, for Butler is, can they score the basketball? Yeah. And you know what? They found a way to score. They scored 21 points in the first half. <laughs> but defensively, they were good enough to be able to keep Oklahoma down, and they found a way to win. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun to watch. I wish I could have paid more attention to the overtime, but it was leaking into the, the yes. Nova game. But this weekend, we're going to – this is where – again, it's a needle mover for Nova. This is where some of these teams will pad their resumes going into Big East play. And that is that is good for Villanova, for these teams, for Seton Hall to beat Texas, even though I don't know if their offense can keep up. Mm -hmm. My God, imagine if Marquette beat, upset UCLA. That would just be – insanity I'd talk about that for the conference That'd insanity pretty yeah. huge for shaka so yeah it's we got some good games so this will be good yeah excited for it all right want to wrap it up with some questions yeah let's do it we did a we did a, a tweet 
asking for questions during the game last night because we knew that we were recording early and we just wanted to give people the chance to get some questions in before we recorded. So we have a couple of good ones. And as always, we really appreciate people putting in the time to to ask us our stuff. So thank you. Yeah, certainly. And and John Palm, I thank you for the laugh on on your uh, question as well. But we've got two basically. So we'll go we'll start with this one from from Brendan Riley, which I I really like. And and Brendan, please continue to uh, to send us your takes as I know we've talked about We really appreciate the support. But he goes, what's the best non home arena? to watch Nova play in MSG always fun. Some great road environments like the rock and the dunk. What's your favorite? Yeah. The dunk is really good. Yes. I, I really like watching Providence play in the dunk and also playing at the dunk. It's hard recency bias. How can you not say Madison square garden mm-hmm. after this one? I, I also love um, Mohegan sun. I think that's a really good that's arena. A cool yeah. I'll, I'll go with that one because of Connecticut as well. But I thought the dunk was the good answer. And of course, you can't beat Madison Square Garden. Agree that, you know, I think of the garden and, and I do think of the dunk. Uh, I, I've seen Villanova play at Barclays Center in Brooklyn as well in, in 2016 with the tournament, which was fun. And actually a really cool arena that Nova doesn't go, you know, obviously very often. I saw them play at USC um, in the preseason game oh, that's going right. into our yeah. senior year. And that was actually a very cool arena. But just to watch them in. I really like Cintas for Xavier. I think mm-hmm. the environment that they're able to put out there is is really, really fun um, with how into it they are. So I'll, I'll go with X there. And then honorable mention just to a couple of years ago, Villanova got to play at uh, Allen Fieldhouse to, yep. against Kansas, which is just all the history there is, is super, super cool. That was a really good one too. Yeah, those it, are good answers. Nice. It certainly was. And then we can close this out with what I am embarrassed I did not say on Tuesday because I had it written down and apparently I missed it. But Villanova came up with the big football win last week on Friday night at home against Holy Cross. And I guess this led into Scotty G's question of, do you have any predictions for the football quarterfinals this weekend and any opinions on ESPN versus Fox college basketball? If you want to take the college basketball portion first, um, I can talk a little football. Yeah, I was going to give you the floor. I unfortunately have just not kept up with, with college football too much this season. Interesting question about ESPN versus uh was it cbs or fox uh fox fox yeah i love bill raftery is one of my favorite commenters of all time i absolutely love him i love gus johnson so it wouldn't really compare at all in my mind no matter who it was that being said if it's not dan shulman or jay billis who i actually love dan shulman's phenomenal and jay billis is one of the greats if it's not those two guys it can get a little Hmm. interesting at times (laughs) Are you referring to the pen game? Yeah, yeah, a little interesting at times, but I thought Shulman and Billis were really good on Tuesday. I to to give them credit, yes. Yeah. ESPN's A crew is very very yeah, good. Yeah, and and Boog Shambi is really good too. Yes, he is. Um, I prefer the Fox College basketball Me too. Uh, basically all the time. I just I think they do a, a much better job actually covering the game because mm-hmm. what ESPN finds itself in and it's what ESPN does is just promoting other things with the, within yeah. ESPN and other things they have TV contracts with. I could give you a whole podcast on that. Thank you. It's the Professor draft. Michael it's, Bradley. Yeah. Uh, it's the for, draft too. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. So uh, I'm much more in on the Fox college basketball, yeah. um, but for football, you know, it's just first off looking at how phenomenal it is for the program. A, the turnout that happened on last Friday night, the student section was packed. I'm really proud as a, as a Villanova grad to see everyone come out to support the team. They have a very difficult game on Saturday afternoon, uh, but it is a home game, which is great. It's against South Dakota State. South Dakota State is very, very good. They are incredibly explosive on offense. This is a team that has made the FCS playoffs every single year since 2012. So they're certainly a little bit of pedigree there. I mean, the thing is Villanova's defense has been playing really well. Forrest Ryan, of course, is the the really, really good linebacker for the Cats. And you just hope the defense can hold them in check enough. I'd like to see them try and control the ball on the ground a little bit with Justin Covington. Dan Smith, of course, can can absolutely move it through the air. Um, But, you know, things were a little out of sync for the offense last Friday. I'm excited. It's just great for the program. And you hope that Villanova can find a way to pull this thing out. Are you going to be there? I'm not. I have. Oh, no. I have an engagement party that well, I that's will be fun. at. Yes, uh, I may or may not be on my phone <laughs> for a portion of it. Uh, she's she's going to hear this and kill me. Um, yep. But yes, uh, I will be following it very very closely. I wish I could be there. Yeah, it's cool to see this type of success. Well said. Yeah, that's awesome. And John Palme, it is absolutely the Botox. <laughs> 
absolutely. Thank you for the laugh, John. <laughs> but all yeah. right. Anything else you wanted to hit? No, we hit 50 reviews. Thank you so much. Keep yes, thank continuing you. to give those. We really, really appreciate it. That helps the podcast out a lot. Thank you for sticking with us as we record this early Wednesday morning. And, and once again, we really appreciate the sport, the, the support and the sport of college basketball. We're so happy we get to do this and we're getting into a really exciting stretch of the season. So, so buckle up. It's going to be fun. We certainly are. And as Emma said, thank you for hanging through us as we record the early morning one. So (laughs) voice might not be as perfect as I would have liked or articulation, but we hope you enjoyed it because it's a victory podcast, right? Exactly. It's a happy one. (laughs) Exactly. But all right, that'll do it for us here on the state of the Nova nation. Be sure to check out VU hoops for a Syracuse recap, and there will be more content coming up through the week, especially as we approach Baylor. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and follow us on Twitter at S O N N pod. Everyone have a great weekend. Gear up for that Baylor game on Sunday. Go cats. And Nova nation. That's a wrap.